Welcome to the sermon podcast of First Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor James Hunick, and I pray these sermons help you in your Christian faith. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship. If you have any questions about anything you hear or want to know more about the Lutheran tradition, please visit our website at www.youhaveaplace.com or contact me at pastorhunick at youhaveaplace.com. We've been working our way through the book of Romans over the last several Sundays, and this is heading towards the close of Romans chapter 8, which we've also been focusing on for quite some time. The book of Romans begins by talking about our sin and God's salvation, how no human being can live up to God's standard, whether we are religious or not, no matter how good we think we are, The only way toward salvation is to be saved by grace through Christ. After that, it talked about what it means to live as a Christian, knowing that we're not saved by our works, but by grace, and how we have this new life by being baptized into Jesus Christ and raised from the dead with him to walk in this newness of life. And Romans chapter 8 begins with the great conclusion for all of that, where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Last time, we talked about how, what that means for us as we deal with the, the deficiencies of our lives, as we groan under the weight of the decay of creation, and all creation waits for that day when Jesus will return and reveal the new heavens and the new earth. And so now, St. Paul begins with perhaps one of the most misunderstood passages of Romans, where he says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. I say that this is one of the most misunderstood passages because most people will shorten that up to something like this. We know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good. Or even shorter, all things work together for good. I remember watching a TV show, it's called Scrubs. This is a show that was on a while back where uh, it was in a, set in a hospital, and one of the religious characters on this show was having a really depressing day, and there was a tragedy. A kid had gotten stabbed, real sad. And one of the atheist doctors went up to her and said, where is your God in this? And she said, well, all things work together for good. She had confidence. She knew something was going to get fixed. And so they go back and forth in this sitcom way until she goes into the MRI and they find that the, the knife went right next to cancer, which they could operate on. And the lesson was that the Bible says all things work to make something better in your life. And that's what a lot of people think Romans 8, 28 For those who love God, things will generally work out well for you. If there is a bad thing, it will lead to something better. If there is something hard in your life, 
it's going to generate something good. Often, we in, the, in, in America think of that something good as health or happiness or money. If you're a little less crass about that, it's God is doing this to you to teach you a lesson, to make you a better person. Of course, what that does is it means that we are trying to defend God as if the bad thing in our life isn't bad, it's really good. It means we end up having to call tragedies good things. We have to say, oh, it was really good that that girl got stabbed on that sitcom because they found this cancer. Instead of saying, you know what, sometimes bad things are bad, right? And that's what we should be able to do. We shouldn't have to say bad things are good in order to defend God. And that's not what St. Paul is doing here. What St. Paul is saying when he says all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose is something different. Because he actually explains what he means in the following verses. He says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That word for at the beginning of verse 29, is doing a lot of work here. It might seem small, but it's the word that tells us that he's explaining here. He says, all things work for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, for this is what he means. So let's take a look. He says, those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. St. Paul is saying, the people of God that he knew, he also predestined. They're kind of the same, similar ideas here. God knows you and predestined you before the foundation of the world. We have a couple of places where St. Paul writes something similar. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he writes, In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. And a little bit later, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, he says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. St. Paul is telling us that God has known you and predestined you before the foundation of the world to be called by Christ. He chose you. Now, when we hear this word predestined, I think just about everybody I know gets, gets a little panicky about that word, right? You start to hear things like, wait, wait, if God predestines people before the foundation of the world, what does he do if he didn't predestine me? What about all of these other questions? 
and you start to go into like a theoretical spiral where you're asking, how does this predestination work? What I'd like to point out to you is that whenever St. Paul uses this language of predestination, he uses it as a comfort for God's people. This isn't peering into the mystery of God's will and looking to see how does God's will work and how does his, his salvation work as a theory. It is always God has chosen you. God has predestined you. As, it is, as he says in Ephesians, he predestined us for adoption. We have obtained an inheritance. Predestination language is not about terrifying you. It's a comfort. And it should be comforting. Because if God waited to respond to you to see if you should be saved, what would he see? If he said to himself, I will see if you have good enough faith, if your conversion to my Christianity was sincere enough, then I will choose you. All that means is he's waiting on you to be good, good enough for God. Which is exactly what St. Paul talked about in the beginning of Romans. You can't do it. Predestined. Predestination means God chose you simply because he wanted to, because of his grace. Without anything about you, he chose you in Christ to be saved. And it's all by his own will. But he predestined us, it continues, to be conformed to the image of his Son, what this makes me think of is the way that they, they used uh, stamps to make coins in the ancient world. In the ancient world, when they would make coins, they would take cold metal and they would take this stamp that had an image on it. And they would put it down on the metal and they'd whack it and it would leave behind an impression. When Jesus was asked about whether it was okay to pay taxes to Caesar, he pulls up, asked them to pull out a coin and he says, whose image is that? And they go, Caesar's? That's exactly that kind of image language, to be conformed to the image of the Son. And so what does it mean to be conformed to that image, to be molded to be like Jesus Christ? Well, what is Jesus' story like? It begins by being filled with the Holy Spirit in his baptism, by going out into the world and dealing with all sorts of people, and then it moves into being rejected by the priests and the scribes, suffering, dying, and then rising. That sounds like a Christian life, doesn't it? Beginning with baptism, we receive the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus Christ did. We were born into him to follow in the pattern, as it says in Romans chapter 6. And we live a life that can include suffering and pain, sometimes even rejection, and in many places, even death because of our Savior, with the promise that on the last day, we will rise just as Jesus did. That is what we are predestined to. 
to be conformed to the image of the Son. Not for good things now, but perfection in the future. For glory in Christ, to follow in the footsteps of our Savior. And what it means then is that by being conformed to this image, by following this pattern, we become one of many who follow those footsteps of Jesus Christ. As St. Paul says, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So that just as Jesus was raised, we too will rise with him. Verse 30 continues, it says, And those whom he predestined, he also called. So for the people that God chose before the creation of the world, you, he also called. How did God call you? Well, he calls us all the same way that he calls everyone. By the power of the gospel. The message of Jesus Christ goes out into the world and he calls you into the church. And how do you know that you are called to the church? It's actually pretty easy. You're here, right? <laughs> I mean, this is, this is not hard. The gospel has gathered you here. You receive the sacrament. You receive forgiveness of sins. You've been adopted in baptism. God has called you. He has chosen you. He's predestined you. He's gathered you. And what it says next? Those whom he called, he also justified. Romans chapter 8 begins, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Jesus fulfilled, did everything that God needed from us, accomplished it for you. You have been called into Christ to be justified by him. Which means, as Paul says, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What I'd like you to notice about that one is the, the tense of the verb. All of these verbs the, that he, he foreknew, he predestined, he called, he justified, they're all in the past tense. And so is glorified. He didn't say those whom he justified, he will glorify. He glorified is the word. And what that means is, is that this is already accomplished for those who are in Christ. Is that there is glory by being in Christ now. And much of the time when we sit here in the church and we talk about the glory of Christ and the resurrection of the dead, we think about it as a thing that is in the future. Eternal life is far off. 
on the day that Jesus returns. But Paul wants to remind us that there is glory already by being in Christ. It might be hidden under our flesh. It might not be easy to see, but it's there. Because we are already in Christ now. We are already raised from the dead. We are already living eternal life just in a hidden way. And so God has already glorified us, even as we wait for the day when that will be fully revealed and Jesus Christ returns. And so when we talk about what it means that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, what it means is that everything that happens around us, whatever's going on in your life, the good, the bad, the tragic, we are all moving on a path to resurrection. The salvation that God has provided. And what this comfort does for us is it doesn't mean that maybe this bad thing happened so a good thing can happen two days from now. But that everything God does in all of creation is pushing us towards the day of salvation pushing us towards the resurrection of the dead. That the good that God wants for you is not solving a small problem in your daily life or make things 2% better, but to change all of creation and make you perfect and new on the day of the resurrection. This is why Paul then goes into this amazing a story about not being able to separ be separated from Christ's love. Because what he does is he lists all of the things that might bring up an objection, right? It's persecution, danger, nakedness, sword, famine. None of that matters, right? None of the problems that you face can take us away from Jesus. Because all of that is part of God's plan. All of that is part of God's push towards the end, towards the resurrection and eternal life. So we can trust that whatever God is doing in your life now, it's not out of control. It's not going contrary to God's will. It's pushing you to resurrection and eternal life in him. Which is why St. Paul can say this. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. In his name, amen. Thank you for listening to our sermons. If you have any questions about anything that you've heard or anything about the Lutheran tradition, I would love to answer them. Please contact me at pastor, H-U-E-N-I-N-K, at youhaveaplace.com.